things down. Thank you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, again, we want to thank you and acknowledge what a privilege it is for us to have your word. And we pray now that you would be pleased to speak to us through your word, that you would enable our minds and our hearts to receive and our wills to respond submissively and acceptingly and obediently to that which you say to us. We ask this in the name of our teacher, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Did you notice in that reading that Daryl brought to us, read to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the movements in terms of that which is vertical and that which is horizontal and uh, that it was to make sense, that there was uh, not just one person doing it, but there was multiple people involved and that there's this, this consistent refrain throughout the whole chapter about so that the church could be built up, the church could be strengthened or encouraged or edified, however your version particularly chooses to do so. It's not just one person participating, it's everybody participating and there's an order to it. And it's for the same goal, both to honour God, but also to edify and strengthen his people. We find ourselves in this series of uh, Back to the Basics. We did a couple of weeks on membership of belonging to the church, being part of God's family. And now we are about our second week into this one on worship, that God's family, God's people gathered together. And last week we spoke a little bit about uh, preparing for that. So what we do at home and on the way here. This morning we're going to focus upon um, what we do when we are here and next week we'll talk about what we do when we finish here. So it's preparation and then the church gathering and then the church scattering again. And what do we do when we scatter? That's next week. So, um, let me drive this thing. Passionate followers of the Lord Jesus. Can you read that? I hope so. Can I just get some feedback? Is the print on that, the font size on that, big enough for you to read, or do you want it bigger? The title's okay, but the other stuff is too small. Put up your hand if you can't read what's on the screen okay I'd be with you I'd be sitting at the front and I'd be putting my hand up I okay I'll give that feedback to the people it says passionate followers of the Lord Jesus I'd better turn around um, participate in the public worship of God that's our emphasis for today having prepared to do so so I want to do a very quick run through no did that just work did you do that Annalise or did I um, okay sorry for the distraction what about walking into church this is what we did I just want to go quickly through we did this last Sunday night and Josh sort of did some of this last Sunday morning on Sunday morning, you wake up in the morning and you make a decision. I'm going to church today. Hopefully you've made it beforehand and hopefully it's already a locked-in decision. But nonetheless, that's what you did. We're going to church today. You decide what you're going to wear. You're also going, you decide what you're going to take. I'm going to take my Bible. or I'm not going to take my Bible. I'm going to take my phone because I have all different sorts of Bibles on it. 
I'm going to take a piece of paper or something to write on. I'm going to take a pen. Some of you will do that. I'm going to take an offering envelope or I'm going to take some cash so I can participate in the offering. I'm going to take my smile as well. I drive to church or I'm driven to church. When I get here, I find a car park um, and I park in a safe place away from other people who may run into me. <laughs> Don't you do that? Oh, that's, what, that's what I do. <clears throat> uh, you walk from the car to the entrance of the church where then you'll be greeted by some welcomers or greeters or ushers or whatever we want to call them who will give you a bulletin and a nice smile and a greeting and depending on your relationship with them and if you know them or not, you might even get a hug. And hopefully you'll get a handshake. If you're the first timer, you're a welcomer, uh, you'll get a welcomer's bag which is a very large, obvious, oversized object so we know who you are. And then when you walk in, I guess you would scan the seating arrangement, depending on what time you get here. Many of you will sit in the same place, Sunday in, Sunday out. Let's just do a quick survey of this. Who is sitting where they normally sit? Hands down. Who is not sitting where they normally sit? Whoa, close. On this side, maybe three or four back. Anyway, that's just a habit, and that's okay. That's just, we always sit over there. Why do we sit over there? Do you want to know why? Rhonda says, so the people can see that we're here. No, that's not it. <laughs> this is honest. This is why I sit at the front. When I go to conferences, I try to sit at the front because I have a personality weakness. If I sit anywhere else in the church, I am a distraction. Not, I am distracted, I am a distraction. I'm easily bored. I'm so easily. If kids are around me, I will play with them. <laughs> so I sit at the front. So everybody's behind me. So I can behave. That's why I sit at the front. Um, and if you come at night, and some of you do come at night, you'll know I, of I often stand at the back and misbehave. <laughs> but it's so much fun, I'm going to just keep doing it. Anyway, you get a bulletin, you come inside, you think where you're going to sit, and if you're a new person, then you will certainly think, where will I sit? New people like to sit at the back. New people like to sit to the sides. Why? Well, because they're new. It's an unfamiliar environment, and you want to be near the exits, just in case. <laughs> you don't want to be hassled by people, you just want to come in, observe and participate or whatever, and then at your own pace, get up and leave and go do your own thing. Some of you, parents, will want to sit on this side because it's closer to the kids down there. There's all sorts of reasons that are doing it. But once you've scanned the seating arrangements, you know, when you're coming in, you might see someone that you don't want to sit next to or who you want to avoid or something like that. Happens, doesn't it? Then you sit down. You'll smile feebly at the people who come and sit next to, not next to you, but near you. You'll smile and acknowledge them. And maybe you'll acknowledge the people who are around you. That would be very helpful to do so. And then you'll check the bulletin, you'll see who's preaching, you'll think, oh, bother, why did I? <clears throat> so now you've arrived in church. What is church? Well, to me, church is about, oh, well, what is church and why do we go? It's an assembly of God's people. It's his people coming together, God's people, followers of the Lord Jesus, of those whom God has called. He's we have been called by God out of darkness into light. 
from the kingdom of self to the kingdom of Jesus, to follow him. We have been called to himself, to know him and to love him and to serve him. We've called to be with others, his family. God loves a family. And we've been called for his glory and for his purposes. We've been called by God, to God, with others, for him and his purposes. In the book of Exodus, this is where this pattern emerges for us. That God acted in the Old Testament, he just, this is how God works in the world. He rescued his people from the kingdom of Egypt, from oppression and from slavery. It's done the same thing for us spiritually. They went through the Red Sea, so we go through the waters of baptism. And then they were to prepare themselves before they got to Mount Sinai to meet with God. They were told to prepare themselves, Exodus 19, both with fasting and with bathing and with clothing and everything else to prepare themselves. And then when they gathered together, they gathered together for the purpose of hearing God and responding to him. They're entering into a relationship. That's the pattern which is still repeated this day. When we come together as a church, we are his family gathering together, both to receive from God, from the front, but from one another, but also to give, to give to God, to give support to the front and support to one another. We are doing both, receiving and giving, and we are connecting both with God and with one another. And so in terms of preparation, pray. Pray for yourself as you come. Pray in the car as you come. Pray as you arrive. This little book, which is terrific, How to Walk into Church by Tony Payne, I commend it to you. Many of these ideas come, not all, but many come from that little book. I commend it to you. He says, first thing you do when you walk into church, you've got the bulletin, you're walking around, and you're about to go and sit down. What do you do? He said, pray. Lord, where do you want me to sit today? It could be in the same place. Who do you want me to be sitting next to? Who do you want me to engage with and to talk with? Prayer is acknowledging that, God, you're in control of my life. I'm here to be available to you. I'm your servant. And even in this context, I want you to use me. I meet in your presence. I meet for your praise. And I'm here also for your purposes, to edify and to build up the church. So pray. Pray that God will bring others. Pray for those who are struggling. Pray for those who are wandering away. Pray for those who are wondering, will I or won't I come? Pray that God will draw them into the fellowship and the family of his people. Pray that God will speak to us. Pray that God will work in us. Pray for yourself. Next, think. The book of Hebrews in chapter 10 and verse 24 says, just before it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, also it says, to give consideration to how you can stir one another up to love and good deeds. To give consideration to, to think about how can I encourage others, my brothers and sisters, to be loving and gracious, doing kind deeds, stirring that up in them? What can I do? Let's think about it. And think, certainly during the service, and evaluate and everything else. In terms of preparation, don't forget your body. We are body-dwelling people. We need to clean up. Have a bath, comb your hair, clean your teeth, put on lots of deodorant. Look after your body, but also make sure you sleep well the night before. Make sure you eat well, hydrate before you come. And when you do come, because we are body-dwelling people, we do need windows open, otherwise it gets stuffy. And we do need lights on. It's interesting, they're not on. Um, 
and we need to watch the temperature. We're body-dwelling people. That helps us or can distract us in worship. So if it's getting a bit stuffy, just get up and open the window a little bit. It won't bite. And if you're new, then just turn to the person beside you and say, excuse me, can you just reach over and open the window? So the people who are sitting on the sides over there, that's your appointed job in future, all right? <laughs> if anybody asks you, you get to open the window. Um, so not only look after yourself, think about your hair and looking and be presentable and everything else. And I think I said last Sunday night, look, if you smell a bit, then as a brother or sister, come beside them and just be subtle and caring. But having said that, if a homeless person or somebody walked in here who doesn't have the facilities or the means to have a shower or a bath and smells unpleasant, I hope that we as a church would welcome them and embrace them. Amen? Yep. Well, that's what we say. We say the right things, don't we? And that is the right thing to say. But we actually need to be doing that. That everybody who comes through that door or that door is welcome in this place. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done or haven't done. You're welcome in this place in the presence of God's family because God loves you and cares for you and he wants us, his people, to do the same, to demonstrate that love. And then it's a matter simply in terms of show up. Show up early. Show up early. Or at least show up on time. There are a couple of exceptions to this. Let me read you this quote, which I wrote back in the year 2000. So this is now 17 years old. True worship, therefore, requires the preparation of the heart and mind, not just the body. Quote, what many of us call worship is really just leftover energy, leftover time, leftover resources. We find it easy to stay up late Saturday night, watch movies, go out, whatever. And then to think that just because we showed up Sunday morning, we've actually worshipped God. We may need to prune some of our weekend recreation and make sure that we have get enough sleep so as not to arrive tired and sleepy or grumpy. God deserves our best, not our leftovers. To rush into the assembly of God's people without thought or preparation makes it unlikely, excuse me, that you're going to truly connect and worship him. We need to come together expecting good things to happen, to praise, thank, listen, respond to God with reverent attention, humble submission. We need to come promptly. Let's remove the excuses for being late. We're not late to work. We get the kids to school on time. We keep our doctor's appointments on time. Then to arrive late could, doesn't necessarily does, but it could reveal your inner attitude and it's worth examining. Am I arriving late because of this? That the worship of God with his people is not a matter of great importance to me. Just do it. Now, I hope that is not the attitude. But if it is, well, that needs challenging and you need to repent and change your ways. And just in the providence of God, I arrived late this morning. <laughs> I mean, I was here at 10 past 8, but that's late. Our pastors are supposed to be here on site at 8 o'clock, if they're here on site. And we have a prayer meeting at 8 o'clock in the back counselling room where we come together to pray for our services at a pre-service prayer meeting. So I didn't get there this morning. I missed that prayer meeting. And then because I got taught down, talking down the front, then when I came up here, I went out here to pray with the people back on stage, and as I walked in, they walked out. I missed that prayer meeting. Now, is my hard attitude that it's not important to me? No, not at all. I was late for other reasons. Sometimes that's it. Life happens. 
there are circumstances, the lights are wrong, the traffic is thick, you sleep in, whatever, accidents, all sorts of things can happen. But here are the two exceptions. Number one, if you're a young parent, my heart goes out to you and I'm just glad to see you here. Now, I'm not giving you permission <laughs> to arrive late, but if you arrive late, then I just, well, we should extend grace anyway, but I'm understanding. Times have changed. Now, I could get this, I might be wrong and you might disagree with me, but if you do disagree with me, then, you know, talk to Rhonda. It's harder being a parent today than it was when we were parents of young kids. When we had little kids, society was different, standards were different. You could look at your kids and they would, you know, tremble into obedience. <laughs> and if they didn't, you were allowed to smack them on the bottom or on the hand. Or you could discipline them in a way which there was a freedom to it. Not today. Parents... I think many of them are just confused. What can I do and can't do? Particularly the poor parents with the kids in supermarkets. You just think, oh, you poor parents. I also think, oh, for goodness sake, smack the child. <laughs> but I'm old school. Um, so parents, I understand. And particularly parents, you're taking your kids down to kids' church and, and so on. Well, we have kids in church beforehand now, deliberately, so they can be part of what we do, and then they exit it. So you could be here. So let me encourage you to be on time. And if you're not, grace is forgiven, uh, extended. And I'm just glad that you're here. If you have a choice between be on time or arrive late, well, arrive... Uh, no, I said that wrong. If you have a choice of being late or not coming, arrive late. Better late than never. Get it? Once. Tell you the honest story. I better hurry up. Um, this became a bit of a hobby horse for me in a previous church which came name on thing and I just got really frustrated with it. I'd spoken about it, we challenged people, we tried to encourage people and they were serial latecomers and I just thought it was disrespectful. They refused to change and they weren't young parents, they were adults. Um, and so at the beginning of the service I stood up and began the service and back in those days it was like a 9.30 service and I instructed the ushers, when I stand up and say good morning I want you to close the front door. And I want you to leave it shut until I say amen over the opening introduction. Right? So it'd be like two or three minutes. And the purpose of my thinking was that because to have people walking in while you're giving the call to worship and the introduction is actually quite distracting. And if you are late, then you should stand at the back and you should wait so that you're not distracting. That's what I used to think. Don't think that anymore. Anyway, didn't I pay for that? Emails and phone calls and people were cranky. I had about 20 people locked out. <laughs> Some of them were so godly that they got in their cars and went home. They were ropeable. To which I, being who I am, said, well, don't arrive late. I apologise. I don't mean to lock you out, but don't arrive late. Did they change after that? No, I lost the battle. God's people can be... Oh, you are God's people. Um... Try not to arrive late. If you do arrive late, it's not the end of the world, but we are getting into a habit. All of our services are the same. You look at how many people are here now. <clears throat> you weren't here at 8.30. Now, I'm not, I'm not wanting to jump up and down too much, even though I've taken 15 minutes on it. It's two and a half, 10.30, it's two at 6.30. 6.30 at night, you'd start the service, there were six people here. 
15 minutes later, there's like 80 people here or whatever. Anyway, enough. The other people who get excused, I think, and get extra grace are those who are shift workers because sometimes you're just dead tired and it's difficult to get here. Appreciate the fact that you come. What else? So not only show up, when you show up, um, come expectant that good things are going to happen, God's going to do something, and come uh, with joy. The Bible talks about the joy of the Lord is our strength. At God's right hand there is fullness of joy forevermore. Delight yourself in the Lord. Um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So have a sense of ex expectation and joy and excitement as you come together with God's people. And I don't think we want to create the environment. This is one of the things we need to talk through together as leaders of how we do worship together. Back when I started, when I became a Christian, it was like you go to church and the first 10 minutes before the service started was like preparation time. You would sit in church in pews and it would be quiet. There would be quiet music playing. You'd read your Bible and you would, the hymn numbers would be up on the board and you could look at the hymns beforehand and you'd pray and prepare yourself and that's how we used to do it. Now we don't do that anymore. Times have changed. And so now when we come together as God's people, we should be engaging and talking with one another. That preparation about coming into God's presence, you do at home beforehand. You do on the way when you get here so that when you get here, you can engage and connect. That's what I think is healthy and sensible for us. Now, if you're a person who thinks that I'd like the opportunity to quietly sit and reflect, well, that's okay. God bless you. And we try to provide that. We've asked the musicians to stop playing on stage by 8.20. That gives you 10 minutes. And for them to go do what they do and pray and, and so on. So, come expectant with joy. I need to move on totally. What if church is boring? Well, it never is. <laughs> what do we do in church? <clears throat> I really don't, I, I read a little list, I asked then Rhonda, what do we do when we come to church? Yeah, come on, let's do it, 30 seconds. What do we do when we come to church, when we gather together? There are 10 things, ready, set, go, call it out. Pray, sing. Can't hear you. Announcements? Offering? Say again. Yep, sing. Communion, five. Two. Listen to the preacher and listen to... <laughs> no. <laughs> listen to... Yeah, listening to God and his spirit, but also listening to others and... Thank you. Bible reading. Yep. That's what, seven, eight? A couple more? Ah, fellowship. We encourage and listen and affirm one another. We share in common with them. And we greet one another. Yeah, very good. We did all of those things. Uh, I've taught you this before, but it's good to be reminded, you're not the audience, God is. The stage performers are not here to stimulate and to create worship. They're here to lead and to direct worship. You are the performers. God is the audience. God is watching you. And it's when we come to worship, we're playing to an audience of one. We're trying to praise him and to honour him. But as we do that, then there is this overflow also horizontally, as I'll come to in a second. And so let's play to an audience of one. The people on stage are not stimulating worship. They are simply to provide direction so that what we do, we do together. 
Let's stand and sing together. Let's pray together. Let's take up the offering. Let's do this together. They provide that direction for us as well as the flow, the order of the service. There are six things that God does. I need to go flight right very quick. Six things we give to God when we come together. Here they are. I'll just mention them. Adoration, thanksgiving, confession, separating, intercession and petition, praying for others and praying for ourselves, and dedication, where we commit ourselves to doing his will. Adoration, I love you. Thanksgiving, thank you. Confession, I'm sorry. Intercession, can you please help these people? Petitions, could you please help me? And dedication, Lord, I will. I commit myself to you. God is a God who loves two-way traffic. He doesn't like one-way conversations. He doesn't want us just to be coming um, to... Annalise, can you make that go to the next one? The battery must have died on this, I think. I don't know where I am now. Um, there are four things that God will do for us. He'll give us his pardon, a sense of his peace, he'll remind us of his purpose, and he'll recharge our spiritual batteries. He will energise us and, and assist us. He does that primarily through the reading and preaching of his word, but also by the work of his spirit and the empowering fellowship of his people. When a person gets lost in the bush... What they ought to do is go to higher ground or climb a higher tree and look for landmarks to find out the direction in which they go. What happens for us as God's people is we come together on Sunday morning and we are climbing to higher ground and reminding ourselves of where we are headed to glory and not to be distracted and deflected by all of the concerns of the jungle in which we live during the days of the week. We come together to remind ourselves God is in control. We are his people and he calls us to live and to follow him. And that should happen each Sunday as we come together. Well, I have got to go very quickly. After we walk into church, having prepared ourselves for all of these things, here are three things that I want to say this morning. Oh, that's the next one. Th number one, we should sing with gusto. Gusto is not a name of an Italian. It means to sing as loudly and strongly as we can. We sing to God. The Bible also says we sing to one another. We speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That the way you sing, the way you participate has an example, an encouragement and an effect upon those who are around you. Someone who is standing and not singing is likewise having an influence and an impact on those who are around them. So when you do sing, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, sing with gusto. Sing both Godward, but also aware of those who are around you. There is this dual focus in the Psalms. But what happens if the song is fluffy? <laughs> what happens if the music is unhelpful? What happens if you can't sing? Well, belt it out anyway to an audience of one. Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, be filled with the Spirit, speak to one another. Psalms in spiritual songs, sing and make melody in your hearts to the Lord. Give thanks to him, submit to one another. Sing with gusto, enter in, sing. What if you don't like the song? Well, what's wrong with the song? Why don't you like it? Now I know there's all sorts of things and we're talking through some of those issues all together as well. Number two, listen attentively. Annalise, can you do that for me, please? I don't, can't drive this. Listen attentively. Listen to God's word being read. 
Listen carefully. Don't be a distraction to others around you. Let them hear God's word. It's not just reading God's word, it's hearing God's word. Both together. Then secondly, listen to the one who is teaching, preaching, and you can help the preacher simply by listening attentively, looking interested. (laughs) Pay attention. Nod, smile, make eye contact, all that stuff. Take notes. Laugh at the bad jokes. It all helps. Help others around you. Listen attentively. You'll be an example to them by the way that you are listening and participating. If you're on your phone checking your emails, you're having an influence and an impact and a distraction. Don't distract by talking or texting or anything else. And watch your body language. Go ahead. Speak to me. So question, is your listening an encouragement or a discouragement to those who are near you? Prepare yourself before you come to hear God speak. Receive God's truth, submit to it, accept it, and then commit yourself to obeying God's, retain it. The best way to retain it is write it down. If God says something to you, write it down, write it on the bulletin, write it. Rhonda brings a special booklet, a, a journal, and she has every service she's in, she's got an outline of the service, date, the Bible reading, an outline of the message, and anything that God says to her through it, it's all in there. That's a great resource for her, That's, she finds that very helpful. I sometimes take notes on my phone in the notes section, whatever's helpful for you. So retain it, think about it, discuss it with someone after the service. What did you think of the message? What did you think of the service? What was helpful? How are you doing? And listen to one another. Thank God for his word. And then thirdly, so sing with gusto, listen attentively, and then after the service, both during the service you've been an example, but after the service, love one another. That's a good question to ask. What can we do in order to encourage and support and be aware. These things, notice one another. Notice them, acknowledge them, say good morning, say g'day, say hi, greet and meet them if you haven't met them before. If it's hot and stuffy, like we said, open a window or ask somebody else to. It's a look, a word and a touch. A look, see them. A word, g'day, and a touch shaking of the hand, whatever, acknowledging one another. Guests should get special attention, just like in your home, if you have guests around, they get special attention, but the family doesn't get ignored. It's not guests only, it's guests and family, but guests get special treatment. So have spiritually encouraging conversations with one another after the service, discuss the service, listen and encourage and pray for one another, find out how you're traveling and eat with one another. Go to coffee. Have coffee here, go to coffee there, have lunch, invite people back to your homes, do all of that thing. And notice the absentees, you're the church. Notice those who are not here. Contact them, follow them up, pray for them, listen to them. So sing with gusto, listen attentively and love one another. That's what we should do when we come together. What do we do if church is boring? Well, time's gone. Look at yourself. And there are four different subsets which I don't have time to go into. Then look at others. So number one, look here. Why was it boring? Am I not right with God? Am I not prepared? Am I not obedient? Is something wrong here? Look there. And then, no, all of that's right. I came prepared, but I'm disappointed. Why am I disappointed? Well, it's boring. Why is it boring? Is it the music? Is it the singing? Is it the songs? Is it the preaching? Is it something the leaders are doing or not doing? Well, two don'ts. Don't sit back and simply criticise and complain to somebody else. 
that's not helpful. It doesn't help you, it doesn't help the person who's got to hear it, and doesn't help us to change. And second, don't, don't be silent. Speak up. Provide constructive feedback. Be reasonable. Um, we make it our ambition to please him. We're not perfect, but we're in this together. One of the things in the future I'm going to do is have a very open meeting of who would like to be involved in planning our worship services, these services we do? Who wants to help out on doing that? And there's a hundred jobs that have to be done. So we need over a hundred people to be involved in those things. Let me close with this. A prominent American pastor one day gave several reasons for why he was opposing the newer trends in the public worship and particularly the music of God's churches, God's people. This is what he wrote. He said, number one, the music, the songs, they're not new. Uh, it's too new, sorry. It's often too worldly. The new Christian music is not as pleasant as the more established style. You can't learn them. There are too many new ones. It puts too much emphasis on instrumental music and not enough on godly lyrics. The preceding generation got along without it and it's simply all about a money-making scheme anyway. Pretty severe criticism, isn't it? Then you realise it was written in 1723. <laughs> and he was opposing that very new threatening menace called hymn singing. And he was saying we should sing the Psalms, not hymns. Nothing new under the sun. So how do we as God's people deal with that? Well, we talk lovingly to one another and we talk about it. Don't complain and criticise out there. And don't be silent. Have a conversation. A sensible, reasonable conversation. Um, and we're going to pray. Let's pray. Father, there's lots more to do and for us to learn how we can do this better in your presence when we come together. But we've heard enough today for you to work in us. Help us, Lord, to sing with gusto. To listen to you, to your word when it's read and taught attentively. And help us to love one another, to notice, to greet, to listen, to care and pray for one another. This is your will and purpose for us. Enable and empower us to be obedient. We ask and pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing. We'll